truth. Jim Price, the Jim Price Show Daily Update. Thank you guys so much for being here. It is August 30th. It's a Wednesday, 2023. Well, guys, as we continue to go down this path, I do have a special guest that's going to be coming on today. His name is Jeremy Brown, and he is still a J6er who is still uh, being held without bond and is still incarcerated, basically. Uh, this is now going on, I don't know, stupidity. Uh, the sad part of it is, is the exact same things that they're trying to say that Trump did or worse is that Trump did is worse than what uh, the J6ers did. And yet uh, he was able to get out on bail and, and be able to do those things. Imagine what we're up against here, these ideas that we have. Um, there's going to be a lot more things coming down the pike. There's a lot of more, a lot of more, a lot of more. I don't think that's a way how we say that. Um, anyway, there's a lot more things coming down the pike including some of the craziness with this uh, Maui stuff is still coming out, uh, the blue roofs, the different things like that. So we have to be mindful to be uh, the difference makers and say, listen, we're not going to put up with his lies anymore. Quit using our money to create technology and do things that destroy us. Uh, we deserve better, and we should have better uh, results from our government. But we don't seem to be able to get that. So um, anyway, about here, about two minutes, Jeremy will be calling in. And I want to make sure that he has the time he needs to talk about his case. But I wanted to get a few things out of the way, uh, just some housekeeping, though. JeremyBrownDefense.com is his website, and that's where you can find uh, his stuff to support him. Again, this is a situation where a gentleman has been taken out of his uh, life and out of his family's life and then torn away. And now they have to figure out how to pay the bills and do all the things without him actually being in a part of their lives and uh, it's not very fair. I mean, obviously, this is not this. I think this is where we I, I classify it as cruel and unusual punishment. Tell me how trespassing is okay for you to be uh, have your life destroyed and torn apart. Uh, this is a real, real problem for us, and we continue to have this problem. I don't understand why we can't have a, a genuine conversation about this. I mean, again, we have to go back to um, the credibility of our. Um, uh, yeah, our, uh, um, we have to have to worry about the credibility of our judicial system, and that's actually what the biggest problem is here. Um, I, I just they don't have credibility. The DAs don't have credibility. The judges don't have credibility. The pop the cops don't have credibility. The uh, Washington doesn't have credibility. But we're all supposed to bow down and say, "Oh, it's because of um, um, it's because you know they, they this is uh." This is all because, you know, life is so chaotic. There's so many unruly people. There's all these different things. And the sad part of it is that's not true at all. I mean, this is just, it's exhausting. I don't, you want me to pay my taxes. You want me to obey you. You want me to do all these things. But you guys have, um, you guys have a, str a straight credibility issue here. And I wish that we could actually genuinely have that conversation and create a conversation that puts us back on the path to healing this up. And making our world a better place, and it's just I, I am I'm un. Oh, there he is. Hold on a second. Uh, hold on a second. This is a free call from Jeremy. Okay. An incarcerated individual at Citrus County, Florida. This call is not private. 
It will be recorded and may be monitored. If you believe this should be a private call, please hang up and follow facility instructions to register this number as a private number. To accept this free call, press 1. To refuse, thank you for using Securus. You may start the conversation now. Hey, Jeremy, you there, buddy? Yeah, is this Jim? Yes, sir, it's Jim Price here. Thank you so much for calling in. We are live uh, on air, on the show right now. Um, I told him that uh, your website is Jeremy Brown. Um, defense.com and so that's kind of where i've gotten so far other than the fact that you are still in jail while we see that our president is being charged with greater crimes than you have but yet he is out on bail so i i see a real credibility issue in our our da and judicial system here well yeah i mean uh, the, the system that uh, you watch on the uh, latest episode of law and order or, or in Mississippi burning with Matthew McConaughey isn't the judicial system that you will face uh, when they come and round you up. That is for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah, Jeremy. And, and we've had you on before, and I and I appreciate uh, everything you're doing. I know that it's limited what you can do on the inside. Um, so how long have you actually uh, been – how long have you been incarcerated now or on – or how long have you been arrested, and um, how long has that been for you? Yeah, so today is day 702 uh, since my arrest, uh, which was uh, September 30th of 2021. Uh, And then, of course, uh, at trial uh, in December of 2022, uh, I was convicted of 87 months in federal prison uh, for charges that mainly derived from uh, illegally, what I believe to be illegally planted evidence. They got there somehow. And it certainly wasn't there for me. Um, and, uh, and so they've managed to uh, lock me away in a federal prison and keep me as far away from January 6th as possible. Right. Well, now, so you said that there was some – the, the trial and these things went on, but what, what, is, uh, what, what has been going on on this whole thing on the backside? You, keep, you, you refer to the judicial system that we – and I, I rail on this all the time on my show that – you know, our DAs and, and others have, have got a credibility issue. The cops have got a credibility issue. The jail's got a credibility issue. The federal government's got a credibility issue. But if you don't, you know, bow to them, they will shoot you. They will incarcerate you. They will come after you. Um, you know, what, what for you, when you say that, you know, the system that we see on TV is not the one that you face, what, what, what was some of those first indications for you? Well, I mean, uh, my first, public defender, my first federal public defender was actually a private attorney uh, that was working uh, to fill a shortage of public defenders. And so uh, in a conversation, once he told me he worked in the federal prosecutor's office uh, and he said his mentor there used to tell them that, look, their job is to provide justice to the people and that if during the process of a case, uh, they determined that there just isn't evidence there or that there, there just isn't a crime, that it's not their job to get convictions, it's their job to provide justice. But see, what we're seeing now is that the Department of Justice does not consider that their job. Mm-hmm. Uh, they consider their job to be carrying out political persecution uh, and and creating out of, out of you know, thin air uh, crimes in order to prosecute uh, their political enemies. And so I often say in interviews, uh, because a lot of times people, because in law schools, lawyers are told by the system, never let your 
let, never let your client talk about the case in public, and yet the prosecutor talks about the case in public all the time. So that right there is an indicator that this couldn't possibly be a negative to talk about your case in public. Uh, this is a tactic that is that is indoctrinated into defense attorneys that don't allow your your client to defend themselves in public because that is the prosecutor's job to prosecute them in public, right? And so as we talk about this, a lot of reporters will say to me, they say, hey, you know, if there's something that you can't talk about or this, that, or the other thing, I say, look, I'm not worried about anything that I will say because all I speak is the truth and the Department of Justice has never used the truth in a court of law. And sadly, that is uh, the case. You know, they they execute... uh, you know, tactics that are, in essence, you know, uh, as my defense attorney once referred to it as trial by ambush, which shouldn't be necessary if they're seeking justice. You see, if a prosecutor has a case, they shouldn't have to rely on tricks or the misinterpretation or the taking out of context statements or the omission of evidence or any of those other things. If they have a case, the truth should be the only thing that they need to rely on. And that is unfortunately not the way this federal government goes about prosecuting uh, defendants in the federal judicial system. And not only that, but they manufacture these rules and these procedures that directly undercut our constitutional rights. You see, our are instilled as protections for us Americans against the government's uh, overzealous use of power. And yet every single rule in the federal rules of criminal procedure and the federal rules of evidence all undercut our Sixth Amendment rights, our Fifth Amendment rights, our Fourth Amendment rights, our First Amendment rights. And this is all meant to give the government a tyrannical, lopsided advantage when it comes uh, to a court of law. Well, now think about what you just said there. I mean, you you were saying that this this that, that these are people that are out there prosecuting, but I look at it as persecution because when they have to add 15, 20, 30 different charges when they're just trying to get one to stick, that's that's not a fair and balanced judicial system. Uh, that's actually stacking the deck or creating a, a bit of a, I look at it as a con. I mean, think about everything they're doing here. Uh, if, if this is stuff that seems like almost like a used car salesman would do, or someone who's got a shady, uh, you know, timeshare they want to get rid of. Oh, look at what we're doing here. We're fantastic. Oh, we're doing all this great work. Look who we are. But in reality, it's just junk. And the sad part of it is, the only person that's actually being victimized is actually the person who they said was the criminal. But in reality, the judicial system is tearing these people's lives apart. I mean, it cost me my entire life. I mean, that's why I do the show now is because I had nothing left. They, they destroyed me. So why, you know, I don't, I don't see the balance or the fairness of going in and trying to overcharge or destroy people's lives in this way. Um, how, since you've been in, how much longer uh, will you have to serve on your sentence? Will you know that? Well, but. Before we get on to that, but I want to touch on your point, and you're exactly right, and that is that the process is the punishment. I mean, just the simple fact that they can accuse you, which was supposed to be, you know, the Bill of Rights protects the accused. This is why grand jury indictments are required. It's why warrants are required. It's why 
trials are supposed to be speedy and public. It's why you're supposed to be guaranteed access to witnesses. It's why the Eighth Amendment guarantees that you cannot be uh, given excessive bail. And yet all of these things are the things that they violate on a regular basis because they have unlimited resources of which you're paying for also. Yeah. And so, I mean, look, there's probably 20 prosecutors that have worked on my case alone. And so you look at this across the broad spectrum, it is a, a instance of basically breaking you down emotionally, mentally, physically, and financially in hopes that you will then take one of their plea deals and what most people don't understand about these plea deals is these plea deals are you signing away your rights. Yeah. It's no different than, and I've talked a lot about protective orders. Protective orders are you signing away your rights. They know that, but they're relying on the fact that you don't know that. And so they leverage our ignorance of the way this, of the system that they've built against us. For us to waive our rights because we don't even know what our rights are. Right. And so you're exactly right that the, the process is the punishment. And, and here's a perfect example. In the Georgia case, now again, this is not a federal case, but it shouldn't matter because see, the Bill of Rights protects you at all levels on certain things. And the Eighth Amendment protects you from excessive bail. And yet one of the 19 defendants in the Georgia case has been denied bond because he they deemed him a flight risk. But see, our basic understanding of what bond is is what allows that to happen. You see, it is not the court's authority to deny bond. The Eighth Amendment specifically says that excessive bail shall not be granted. Well, the denial of bail my definition is excessive. And what is bail? People don't even know what bail is. All bail is is to ensure that you show up to court. That's it. And yet, all across America, all day long, in any criminal news story, you hear, oh, the defendant was denied bond. They were denied bail. They're being held without bond. They're being That is a violation of the Eighth Amendment because, see, Bill Rights protects you, the accused. And the very definition of due process is an absence of the presumption of guilt. So when a judge denies you bond, a violation of your Eighth Amendment right, they are presuming that you will not show up to trial. Therefore, presuming that you are guilty enough to not want to show up to trial. But see, it, it's all meant to to put everything in their favor. See, they're responsible if you skip trial, right, for apprehending you, right? But see, they don't want to go through that process. They don't want to go through the legal process of, one, presuming your innocence. And so what do they do? They deny bond under the presumption that you're going to skip town right. in order to preserve their responsibility for apprehending you if you skip town. It is a complete twisting of the system. And because we do not understand how our very system works, we just go along with it. Right. Well, Jeremy, let me ask you a question on this. I mean, I, and this is a statement I made, but the problem is, is at this point, what if everything is illegal, what is left but disobedience? 
I mean, everything in the court systems, everything in the the law, the streets, the the lidar guns, the the you know no bail. I mean, everything. They're breaking all the laws. They're breaking all the rules. But yet, you're, everything you're doing is breaking all the laws and rules. And they're telling you you're wrong while they're destroying it themselves. I mean, how how are we supposed to like? How are we supposed to be respectful if they're not being respectful as public servants, according to the republic that we signed up for? Well, I mean, you, you, you made the exact point. Disobedience to tyrants is obedience to God. That's what Thomas Jefferson said. And look, here's the reality is, you know, and, I, and I've said this in many interviews. When you're facing this type of enemy, you have to be prepared to go to jail. You are going to be a criminal. They are making, with every conviction, with every prosecution, with every arrest, they are making you the next criminal. See, they're just getting closer and closer, right? It's no different than the grand conspiracy charge. Never, ever do I hear a legal expert make the claim that a broad conspiracy charge, which has been written into law, but yet violates many of the uh, articles of the Bill of Rights. The very first one is freedom of speech. You see, the simple thought, right? They, they talk about criminal intent, right? Well, intent is a thought. And unless you have some way of reading mind, that's right. not something that can be proved. And for you to say something... Is freedom of speech. But see, no one ever makes the case that this overbroad charge of conspiracy, which they use as a catch-all when they can do nothing else. Why? Because everybody says something that some other person can deem as conspiratorial. Everyone can manipulate uh, their interpretation of your thoughts to be something negative. And so they use this conspiracy charge in a myriad of cases when the very charge of conspiracy is a violation of your First Amendment right to free speech, to free thought, to be able to outwardly express discontent with a system that is meant and founded in order to protect your very rights. And so this is what they do, and that's why in almost all these cases you'll see some form of conspiracy because it is a catch-all that an ignorant jury can not help but go along with because it's so broad-based that it's very easy to say, oh, yeah, they conspired. Uh, And, Jim, I can call back if you have more time. Yeah, yeah, I've got got you on for at least another uh, 30 minutes, so if you'd like to call back when yours is done. So uh, we'll wait for your call. Yeah, let me call call back because I'm about to get your call. Okay, all right, call me back. Okay, so... I'm sorry, guys, about the fiddling on the computer while I was on this. I was trying to catch up on some comments, so I apologize when you saw me going around my different social media pages. That's what I'm doing on the backside a lot of times. I'm trying to catch up all the comments and things. So anyway, uh, Jeremy will be calling back. I mean, this is a great conversation to have. This is a gentleman who's been convicted of something that, you know, and not given bail when, you know, he was not given bail. Now he's been convicted of something that I don't know what, what is him sitting in jail in a, in a federal prison. What benefit does that create for society, and what does that give him? And, th- and again, this is the a sad, st- sad state of affairs in our country, where 
we're watching this happen in real time, and this gentleman who has a great support system, and I, I tell you what, it, it's got to be hard for his wife and or his girlfriend and kids. I'm not sure. I, I can't remember if he's married or not, um, but I don't mean to be presumptuous on that, that you know, they have to go through and be without him, but also that they have to support him while he's there. Um, this is a problem for us and the idea that this is destroying lives, costing them money, and we're the cause of it. We're paying into this system. We're using the, the, the judicial system is, you know, using our quote unquote, oh, we need the, you know, we need the government. We need this. We need that. They're, oh, we're here for law and justice. And they're using these things against us to be able to get financing and continue on with their type of persecution. So, okay, here we go. All right. An incarcerated individual at Citrus County, Florida. This call is not private. It will be recorded and may be monitored. If you believe this should be a private call, Please hang up and follow facility well, instructions I do believe it to should register be a private this call, number but, as a private number. To uh, accept this free call, press 1. To refuse, thank you for using Securus. You may start the conversation now. Hey, Jeremy, there? Hi, Jim. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yep. I got you. Okay. Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you now. Hey, um, I okay. just, that little recording in the beginning, I didn't make a comment on it and the other, but it's like, do I think that this conversation should be private? Yeah. I don't, I don't understand this idea of not having privacy. Um, a, a, again, I think that so many of your rights have been violated. I don't believe that you know treating a human being this way. Uh, up until we just started doing the, the whole thing with taking away people's uh, ability to carry firearms freely and do background checks and all this other stuff, we have eroded away what we know to be a proper system. I mean, we used to actually literally, as a prisoner left jail, we handed him his pistol, his rifle, his ammunition as he walked out of the jail. Nowadays, if you get a parking ticket and you don't pay it, they're going to pull your, your uh, ability to have a gun in this country. And yet we have a conversation with you, and it has to be listened in on. I don't, I don't understand where our country has gone. And I get it. There may be nefarious people out there doing things. But, guys, those people will always do that, no matter whether you're listening in on the phone call or not. So to take someone else's right away is really ludicrous in this whole situation. So that's my spiel on that. Sorry, well, and, and no, you're absolutely right. And that is something that, uh, again, I, I bring up all the time, that everybody talks about censorship as a violation of your First Amendment. Of course, it is a blatant violation of censorship. But what you never hear about is how the knowledge that your federal government spies on you openly and without regret and without fear is also a violation of your First Amendment. Because, see, the First Amendment says that your freedom of speech shall not be abridged. Yep. And abridged, the definition of abridged is shortened, compressed, or in some way not its full breadth, right? Yeah. So even if you self-censor, right, let's say, Jim, let's say Jim wanted to blurt out some angry tirade against the government, but instead says, well, I don't want to call problems for myself because I know Christopher Ray has his Joint Terrorism Task Force listening to my every word. So therefore, I'm going to speak more nicely and more subtly. The federal government has just, through their actions, abridged your free speech yeah. through intimidation, illegal surveillance, Right? And yet nobody ever brings this up when a black suburban is parked down your street and you know that they're watching you 
Your actions are being abridged yep. because of their actions, and that is a violation of your God-given rights to be free, right? The definition of liberty is the absence of confinement and yeah. control. That's what liberty is. But yet, well, we can't speak freely because we know that the NSA, the CIA, and the FBI, as well as the other 17, 18-plus intelligence agencies that illegally operate within the boundaries and outside of their charter, when we know that they're listening for every word, then we do not have free speech. And this is the extent in which people need to dig in to the knowledge of their rights because their ignorance is being used against them. And, and, and this is how the system is set up, right? The law is for the people. It's not for attorneys. It's not for, uh, you know, uh, intellectuals or academics. The law is for you. Yeah. And so when the, uh, when Article 6, Paragraph 2 states that, this, that the Constitution is the supreme law of the land, and the U.S. laws that are in pursuance of the Constitution, meaning that conform to the Constitution, that's the supreme law. So when Congress writes an illegal law that is not in pursuance to the Constitution, it should be the judge's responsibility to strike them down without requiring Americans to. Oops, are you there? Okay, Jeremy, are you there? Uh, okay, for some reason you went silent on that, Jeremy. I'm not sure oh, what happened. Really? Oh, well, there you go. Okay, somehow, for some reason, we oh, lost sorry. our signal, but go go ahead, buddy. Go, keep going. No, no, it's this system. It's not very good. But Wait, wait, wait. The point it's I a, was making it's a, is that. It's a federal system inside of a federal jail that doesn't work well? Are you. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to point out the obvious here, but shit, man. You know? Well,. Well, I mean, it is kind of fascist because it's been contracted out to a private corporation that makes oh. lot charges lots of money for this oh. failed system. Nice. Because, you know, phones, they're expensive, you know? Oh, yeah. They're, they're a brand-new <laughs> technology. We're just getting around to the whole idea of having, uh, you know, these phone exactly. cable things. That's kind of weird, huh? That's exactly right. Look, yeah. there is a prison industrial complex, uh, and it is very profitable. That's why most of the judges invest in it. But the point I was making is that in Marbury versus Madison, it clearly lays out that it is the judiciary's responsibility to compare laws that are passed by Congress under their Article One, Section One duty, which is that all legislative acts are, are arrive out of the Congress. But it is the judiciary who is supposed to look at these laws and declare on their own. It shouldn't require a citizen saying, this is unconstitutional. The judges themselves are bound by legal precedents to when faced with something that flies in the face of the Constitution, declare it unconstitutional. And yet, oh. it has become completely obvious that the system... If you do not declare something as wrong, it no longer is appealable. And this is something that I'm learning through conversations with my appeals attorney because I'm like, well, they did this wrong and they did that wrong. And he says, 
his response is, well, unless your attorney objected to that. Wow. So, so in other words, their silence is compliance. That's right. Even though it should be the responsibility of the judge, when the judge witnesses this flaw or this failure, yeah. corrects it on their own. It shouldn't require you. It, it's almost like this. It's almost like the judges operate as officials in a football game, right? Mm-hmm. And the wide receiver and the defensive back are running down the sideline, and there's clearly past interference that the judge sees. But because the wide receiver doesn't complain about it, they never throw the flag. Right. And this is how the appeals process works. If you do not object to something, then you lose your ability to appeal it. It's not like in the movies, right? right. In the movies, everyone thinks, oh, a mistake happened, therefore it's appealable. No. Um, a mistake is if somebody caught the mistake, and that somebody is going has to be the defense because the prosecution is not going to say, oh, Your Honor, uh, our bad, we made a mistake. Um, let's, let's go back and adjust that. The judge isn't making these things. And, and, and so it's the entire system is not what you think it is, right? So there could be blatant violations of well-established law. Like, for example, in my case, a clear violation of the Fourth Amendment, right, right. with an illegal search warrant. But because my attorneys did not file a motion citing that specific violation of the First Amendment, no matter how clear it is, I have no right to appeal it. What? And see, this is flawed. See, a judge should be able to look over the case and be like, wait a minute, I see this warrant here. This warrant is facially deficient. Um, this case needs to be thrown out. See, that's the way most people probably think the system works, that the judge is there to catch mistakes. But that's not the case. The case is basically they all sit around, they all violate the law, and hope that you don't catch them violating the law because if they get away with it, there's nothing that you can do after the fact. And so this system needs to be completely reset. Right? If they want a great reset, that's the great reset we should have. Absolutely. We should go back to the constitutional structure where the federal government is very limited. And, I mean, every, most people don't know this, but Article 1, Section 1, I mean, Article 1 lays out all the things, all the areas, the subject matters for which Congress is authorized to pass legislation towards. And yet, all day long, Congress sits up there in Washington, D.C. and makes all kinds of laws about stuff that have no constitutional jurisdiction to pass laws about. And governors and state legislatures just let it go. Why? Because they went to public schools, and they didn't learn how it's supposed to work, and they haven't read their constitution. Right. And so... They just say, oh, yeah, the federal government, that's the NFL, and we're uh, the NCAA, when it's the exact opposite. State governments, according to the Constitution, should be the supreme power, having uh, delegated limited responsibility to a small but powerful federal government. And see, because nobody knows this, because nobody takes the time to read their 10-page Constitution they get away with it. Yeah. And so you have 
executive orders. An executive order has become law when in reality all an executive order is a directive from the head of the executive branch to other executive branch agencies. That's all an executive order should be. Right. Hey, Department of Justice, I want you to do this. Hey, Department of Education, I want you to do this. But yet somehow, over the years, an executive order has become some type of decree from our, un- from our team. Mm-hmm. And that is not what an executive order is. And all day long, you'll hear it in the news. Oh, uh, the Biden administration issued an executive order uh, limiting gas stoves. There is no jurisdiction under the Constitution that gives the president the ability to declare anything to the American citizen. Yeah. He can only run the executive branch that executes legislation that derives out of Congress. And see, this is how the basic lack of understanding of how our government is supposed to work has plagued us all with tyranny. And you're right. Until we begin to disobey in mass and say, oh, no, and, and cite the law to them, then we're going to continue to be victims of this tyranny. Yeah. Well, and how unfortunate that is that we have a judicial system that is literally just okay with consuming people's lives as for some type of really pale victory. I mean, I don't see the benefit of what this does for society. I don't see how we can, you know, make this, how does, I mean, it really doesn't make any sense. And everything you've cited uh, is almost a slap in the face of what everybody believes their constitution is or what their country, their country is. And I've had to rewrite my own mental history because I thought that my country was amazing. I thought we had all this really cool stuff, checks and balances, people watching out. You know, there's safeguards. There's people in the judicial system saying, hey, no, judge, you can't do that. And the judge saying, no, no, DA, you can't do that. Holding everybody accountable. But then when I got ran through the uh, sausage machine uh, called the judicial system, I found out that it really has nothing to do with, you know, you you either pay with your money or pay with your time or you pay with both. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. This is why... The former president of the United States has, what, well over 100 felony charges now, Yeah. right? Yeah. Many more versions of charges for which I've been convicted to 87 months, but yet I was held in maximum security pre-trial without bond based on no, none of my charges based on simply a judge's interpretation right. that he felt like I was a threat to law enforcement. So I'm held in maximum security for 16 months prior to trial, have all of my legal defense uh, basically retarded right, by having limited access to my attorneys, the inability to gather witnesses, uh, the inability to do any research in my defense, right? Right. And yet this defendant, because he is a multi-millionaire, he gets to spend all of his pre-trial time uh, at a very nice reason. Yeah. Well, uh, do you want to call back for one more segment? Are you there? Oh, okay, lost you again. Jeremy, are you there? Hello? Okay, you there? Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to call back for one more segment? Uh, you, you, yeah, let me call you back one more time. Okay, sir. I'll, I'll, go, I'll continue Very my good. point about uh, how it is not an equal justice system. Yes, sir, definitely. Call the me back. The caller has hung up. 
Okay, well, remember, guys, this is the, this is part of this whole system that he's having to deal with. He's having to walk through all these things. And the sad, sad part of this is that, you know, w- what is this guy supposed to do with his life? I mean, he's now considered to be a convicted federal felon. His life has been torn apart. Nobody seems to be putting it back together in our judicial system. Is obviously not in a checks and balances way to be able to monitor themselves and say, hey, this is how we're going to treat each other or not treat each other. This is absolutely a mess. Um, and I really hope that we can actually find a better way to get through all this. Uh, I'm waiting for him to call back. And this is such a joke that this system is this way, that we have to go through all these checks and balances. And by the way, this is like a dollar a minute or some crazy amount. So, guys, when we talk about uh, the Jeremy Brown Defense Fund, uh, defense.com, uh, it's because he has to pay for phone calls like this, because he has to continue on with his appeal and other things like that. So we have to be mindful that this is an ongoing struggle and uh, and I want to come back with, you know, we don't seem to default to freedom. We default to incarceration at every opportunity, including how we handle each other and how we talk to each other and the things that we do in our daily lives. Uh, it's sad that we have to fight this way. But, again, this is the world that we live in where I guess, you know, you got to figure out, guys, which side you want to be on and uh, how it's all going to look for you. So, anyway, looks like Jeremy is calling back in. Uh, here we go. An incarcerated individual at Citrus County, Florida. This call is not private. It will be recorded and may be monitored. If you believe this should be a private call, please hang up and follow facility instructions to register this number as a private number. To accept this free call, press 1 to refuse this. All right, Jeremy, there? Yeah, I I can hear you. Okay, very good, sir. Hey, um, one thing I want to make a comment to, these, the sad part of it is our judicial system defaults to incarceration, does not default to freedom. And that is a real fallacy in our, in, our prob- in our system, that we have people that would rather incarcerate you than set you free. I mean, legitimately. Right, and, and, it, and it is in direct opposition to the way it was. I mean, read the Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights is all about protecting the accused from malicious persecution and prosecution, right? That is the purpose of all of these things. The purpose of the First Amendment is so that you can say whatever you want without fear that the government is going to throw you in a prison, right? This is what, you know, King George used to do to colonists. If they didn't like what you were saying about the king, they would throw you in prison. Well, the purpose of the First Amendment was to prevent that. The purpose of the Second Amendment, which... No one ever points out the, the absolute key clause in the Second Amendment, which is necessary for the security of a free state, yeah. right? That yeah. is the grand clause in the Second Amendment, and no one ever cites it. Right. I never hear that cited. And, and right there clears up all of the hubbub about hunting and sport shooting and, and militias and all sorts of stuff. It states that it is necessary for the security of a free state that the people have the right to keep and bear arms, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, the, the, the Third Amendment, right, which I always often assume that they have yet to violate the Third Amendment by illegally housing uh, troops with the American people. But see, that's not exactly true because now you see all of these cases of uh, illegal immigrants now that, is, that, that, that some of these cities are wanting to now say, oh, we're going to uh, commandeer 
extra space in your house. <laughs> yeah. Uh, invaders of the country. Well, that that is in essence no different than saying we're going to commandeer that space, put troops in your house. Right. I mean, it is a violation of your right to life, liberty, and property. Yeah, they do it all the time. I mean, the Fourth Amendment, illegal search and seizures. You're to be secure in a list of things in your person, in your papers, in your effects. Right. Yeah. And yet. All day long, the FBI admits to illegally surveilling you, utilizing tools that were uh, brought upon the American people by claiming, oh, well, we're going to use those against foreign enemies, and now they're being used against the American people, right? And it just goes on and on and on. The Sixth Amendment, right? People talk about speedy trial all the time, but yet this is what's happening. The government has established a process of arresting you and then investigating you and then trying you. That is not the process that was established. The reason you have the right to enjoy a speedy trial is so that when they come to arrest you, they're supposed to be ready to go to trial. That's why a warrant issued under the Fourth Amendment, which requires probable cause, meaning the likelihood that you actually did something is required before searching something. And yet what they've done is they've twisted this to say, oh, well, we need a warrant in order to gather the evidence. No, it's supposed to have the evidence first. Yep. And the warrant is meant to confirm that evidence. But see, they've twisted the system to make warrants a collection of the evidence so that they can then build their investigation. Yeah. This is a complete inversion of the way it's supposed to work, which is why you should not be arrested until the investigation is almost completely done and they're ready to go to trial. Right. That is the process. That is why our founders guaranteed us a speedy trial, yeah. so that once we're arrested, the government has to provide their case, and that's why they have the burden of proof beyond a reasonable doubt. And but see, that's, totally that keeps them from the disrupting system. your life, though, right? That keeps them from actually going in there and causing you to not, you know, not there, be there for harvest or not be there for your kid's graduation or Christmas. It's meant to get you get in, get out. You're, you're, you're not offended. You're, you're, your body and mind has not been taken out of your cycle of life, and that people don't realize that with, with what you've had to experience, I mean, you're talking now years of this. Are you getting any credit for your time in there at all? Well, let's see what some let's see what some corrupted Trump says after the fact. <laughs> right. You get no answers during the process. You're constantly in a state of battling after the fact. Right. There was nobody there saying, "Oh, hey, make sure that your attorney objects to this, objects to that, because if you don't, then you're not going to have those grounds available for appeal." Right? right? There's somebody there to do that. There's no liaison to talk you through this. Your attorney is supposed to be that person. And yet the attorneys all play golf with all the prosecutors. They all yuck and tell jokes and yeah. laugh and, and talk about how wonderfully they work together. I mean, hell, you can read it in my own transcript. Basically, I mean, I, they talk to each other. And you almost think that they're having a love affair. 
It's like, what is going on here? I want my defense attorney to have an adversarial relationship with the prosecutor, not a, hey, let's be nice and wheel and deal, and you scratch my back, I scratch your back. That is not justice, and yet that is the system that we have. And it's evident in every single news report that you hear now about anything in the judicial system, what does it always say? Uh, Judge so-and-so and... Obama appointee or just a uh, Trump appointee, as if that should matter. It shouldn't, because judges are supposed to be impartial and follow the law, which is written in black and white in the English language out of words that mean things, right? Yeah. So what difference does it make whether they were appointed by Trump or Obama? It shouldn't, but it does. And yet we have a Sixth Amendment right to impartial juries while... We're trying political cases in an area where the jurisdiction is 95% of one political party, all the prosecutors and all the judges. In fact, I'm going to challenge journalists to look up the political donations of judges, prosecutors, and defense attorneys in these January 6th cases, and I guarantee you that you will find a near 90% donation rate is not higher to one political party and it just happens to be the political party that is pushing a false narrative about a government-run operation for political reasons. Right. That is a total violation of the Sixth Amendment that guarantees you a right to an impartial jury, which means an impartial proceeding. Because, see, the jurors are the most powerful individuals in America. And the reason they're supposed to be impartial is because of that power. Right. And yet, this is totally opposite of what we're seeing in all of these cases. Now, did you guys talk about jury nullification at all? Have you heard about that or have talked about that, jury nullification? Oh, well, it's funny, it's funny you should mention that because, see, I wanted to do that. See, I've actually read the Constitution. And I know that a juror can rule based on anything that they want. Yep. A juror could wake up on the wrong side of the bed and declare that you're not guilty. Yeah. But see, in jury instructions, judges make statements like this, which can be found in my transcripts. This case is about the law and the facts only. And the law is what I say it is. Right? Okay, that was a statement made by the judge in my trial. Uh, also, a statement made by the prosecution was, Your Honor, we have reason to believe. Why do they have reason to believe? Because they monitor all my communication, of which they admitted to in other cases, monitoring attorney-client conversations under the claim that, well, by using jail phones, you automatically waive that right to confidentiality. Except they're the only phones available to you. But I digress. The prosecutor literally says, Your Honor, we have reason to believe that Mr. Brown is going to make an argument of juror, uh, uh, that the Second Amendment uh, protects his right to those firearms, which is in essence a juror nullification argument, which we believe is improper. Improper. And the judge agreed. <laughs> it's oh, not but hey, hey, Jeremy. To tell the. Do you know what happens when jury nullification happens, though? Do you know what happens next? 
It's not that you they go against you know they they say you're innocent, but they are required by law to go to the legislator and they have to re they have to re-examine and re-vote on that law. So if you're being tried for murder, uh, they have to go back and put it back through the judicial or the uh, uh, legislative system and bring it back up and have it reheard on the floor. Uh, that's one of the things that they don't want you to know about because you can actually rewrite the laws of America with jury nullification. That's exactly right. Yeah. And this is why in courtrooms all across America, judges intentionally dissuade jurors from exercising their right to jury nullification. In fact, like I said, the prosecution de- declares it as improper. Well, how is it improper to tell the person with the maximum amount of power in a negotiation that they have the power? Yeah. See, they rely on our ignorance because they are responsible for our ignorance. You see, they're not public schools. They're government schools. Yeah. And government does nothing but seek more and more power, which is why our founders declared it a necessary evil and put these restrictions in place against this very power. Right. And yet the only thing, there's only two things required for our constitutional rights to be violated. One is our own ignorance of those rights. Right. And two, a government official who simply wants power, therefore ignores the requirements. Because they, they can get away with ignoring them because they know that we won't call them on it yeah. because of our own ignorance. And this is exactly what is happening in America today. And it's exactly why jury, jury nullification is improper, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's why if you even – like my defense attorney didn't even want to make the argument that the, that the two gun charges were a violation. Actually, the reality is the the grenade charges were also a violation of the Second Amendment. But see, they're not my grenades, so I'm not as willing to argue that I have the right to possess grenades, right? right. And see, I get in this discussion all the time with morons who don't understand the necessary for the security of a free state clause, and what's their first their first argument is, oh, so you think Americans should be allowed to own nuclear weapons? And the actual answer to that is, well, yeah, yeah. except we should really have nuclear weapons, but yes, in theory, the founders believed that the citizens should have equal, if not more, firepower than its government. Why? Because that's what's necessary for the security of a free state. Right. You see, our founders fought against their government because their government had breached their God-given rights, and therefore they write in the Declaration of Independence that it was time for that form of government to be thrown off and for new protectors, right, of yeah. their rights be established. And that's exactly what our founders fought for, and that's exactly why they made the First Amendment the First Amendment and the Second Amendment 
the Second Amendment. Right. Because the first amendment. Hey, Jeremy, real quick before you have to go. Before you have to go. Hey, how much does it yeah. cost you per minute to call us? How much is that? Oh, uh, well, it's 20 cents per minute plus all applicable fees. So a 15-minute a phone call costs about $4. Okay. All right. Well, I know you got to get out of here because it's getting ready to end time. Thank you so much for what you're doing out there, Jeremy. You are a great soldier even behind the enemy lines. I appreciate what you've done. I know you've been a prisoner of war, and I wish my country was better and treated you better than that. Well, uh, the only people that can change it are us. So, yeah. Jim, I appreciate uh, you giving me the time to – rant and rave about uh, all the problems that we're facing, but they can be overcome, but we're the ones that have to overcome them, not some uh, politician. Absolutely. Well, God bless you, sir. If you need anything, you get back a hold of us, all right? All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Okay. Well, guys, again, this is a situation where we have people that I have on my show, on my phone, because they are in custody uh, they are being held for crimes that, honestly, if I describe them to you, you'd be like, okay, so fine him. Give him a fine. I mean, give him a ticket. Who cares? Move on. And the sad part of this is we have grandmas who have cancer who are sitting in federal prisons right now. We have young men, young women being held in solitary confinement across our country. The, the individual I just had on, uh, Kristen, just the other day, uh, again, turning themselves in to prison because that's where she's got to spend the next 11 months of her life. And the sad part of that is, is this is you know the first day or two that she's been there, and then she'll probably move two or three different times because that's what they do to them as well, is they start moving them around, manipulating them, and doing things to them. And that's what we should be the difference makers, guys. We should never let this happen in our country. Uh, absolutely, absolutely breathtaking that this is okay for us to have uh, Jeremy Brown, thank you. He says, excellent interview, Jim. Thank you so much for uh, your comment. Guys, this is uh, the world you live in, and if you want this to be different, you've got to stand up and be the difference makers. I cannot do this by myself, and I'm the only thing I ever tell you guys over and over and over again is that we are not limited by the Constitution. The government is limited by the Constitution. You have all the power. We are the people, and as soon as you guys are done with sitting around and sitting on your thumbs, Let's get this done. I'm tired of living this life where I have to live in fear of my government instead of just thinking about how great it would be just to live my life. All right, guys? Well, uh, that's about all I got for today. Remember the 10% we do for a neighbor, community, city, county, state, the federal government. The more you do for them, the less they have to do for you. Learn how to be selfless and not so damn selfish. There will be a far, far better place. Remember, hold the line. Hold fast. Do not give up. Do not give in. We will win. I promise. I don't make promises I can't keep. Guys, you're always the answer out there. Uh, good to see you, John Kennedy and others. Thank you so, so much for being out there. True Seeker over on Twitch. Sorry about the uh, back and forth on the uh, going on the Internet stuff. I was forgot that I had Jeremy's website up there as a picture. So, anyway, forgive me for that. Uh, guys, if you have any questions or comments, get a hold of me, and I'll get back to as soon as I can. And uh, we got uh, some great interviews coming up, a lot of good stuff, a lot of things going on. And uh, we do have Labor Day weekend coming up this weekend, so be mindful of that. And remember uh, that this country is yours. Operate it as such. Know the Constitution. Read the Constitution. Memorize. Put it to your heart, and you will have a better country as well as a better life. I'm Jim Price of Jim Price Show Daily Update. You guys all be good to each other out there, and I'll see you guys tomorrow. Bye-bye.